0: Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. This series has been very, very well received. I, I have had lots of um, conversations with you. I've gotten texts from you, emails. We've, you know, there's been some follow-up questions people have asked and things that they've wanted to comment and say You know, that that's what they'd learned or what they were thinking about. It's just been really, really good. Um, it's been encouraging to to know that it's meant so much to you. Our our theme verse uh, over this whole series has been Isaiah chapter one verse eighteen. Come now, let us settle this matter, says the Lord. In other words, let's be done with it once and for all. Okay, let's just get get it done. Though your sins are like scarlet, even though your past is tainted red, you feel like you're you're bleeding. You're just in a bad place, bad condition. God says, "Let me paint a picture for you." And then he says, they shall be white as snow. And as we talk about white Christmas, we're not talking about snow on the ground. We're talking about being forgiven. We're talking about having a clean heart, a a clean slate. Uh, That's what God's talking about. You can actually experience a white Christmas this year. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. God says, I have the ability to make everything in your world white again. White Christmas. He says white as wool. And then he adds this little phrase, and we've been making a point to highlight this, if you are willing and obedient. And God says, you know, you're not going to feel like doing it, but if you will, are willing and if you'll be obedient, um, you're not going to feel like what I'm offering, but if you will, it'll make a big difference. Now, I would go so far as to say that none of what we're sharing in this series is stuff that you would say, well, I, that's easy, I can do that. I mean, that's not any problem. Sure, I could do that. No, you're not going to want to do this stuff. This is not easy stuff. This is counterintuitive. This is countercultural. We don't, we don't want to hear these things. This is hard to hear. This choice, it takes a choice to obey God. And if you want a new life and new things in that life, and you want a life that's white and right, it's not going to be achieved with your current level of thinking. Your thinking has to change. It's going to take some believing and buying into some God-type ideas. You know, in week one, we talked about the snow globe, and we, we that, you know, that we don't just have to dream of a white Christmas. The song starts off, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. No, we talked about the snow globe. You can get inside that world. You don't just have to look at it from the outside and go, boy, I wish I lived in a place like that. No, you can get there. You got to choose to do the things that God wants you to do. But if you'll do the God-type things, it can make a difference. And if there have been people who have abused you or missed treated you or hurt you or stolen from you god comes along and says pray for them god comes along and says bless them that means speak well of them that's not intuitive that's very counterintuitive that that does not come naturally you know we, we want to hurt people that do stuff like that to us god says no i want you to do good to them but we don't want to hear that who who wants to do good to somebody that hurt you we, we think you know that's impossible and in our own thinking you're probably right but if you try it you will find out that God's way works if you will obey him and then last week I gave you this one idea and I promised that if you would implement this it would bring you success in your relationships and that is that if you're going to make a choice when people are just being nasty and 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 you know they're they're not being good to you you're just going to have to choose To see them differently. You're going to have to see them the way Jesus saw people. And you're going to have to do what Jesus did. When Jesus is stretched out, pinned to a cross, he actually had the ability to look at the people who had done that to him and pray the prayer, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. To which we would say, yes, they do know what they're doing. They stretched your arms out and nailed it to wood. Of course they know what they're doing. Yeah, I know they do. But you're going to have to choose to believe that they really don't. I think that's what Jesus would say to us. You've got you to look past it. You've got you to think the best about people. You have to believe the best about people. Now, let me, let me just tell you something about that before you, you, you try to do that. If you're going to believe the best about people, here's what you need to understand. You're going to get burned. All right? You're going to believe the best about somebody. They're going to let you down. It's not going to go well. And you're going to, you're going to be tempted to be jaded closed off, I'm never trusting again, I'm never going to believe the best about somebody again, but you're robbing yourself of deep, rich relationships when you don't believe the best about people. And God saw us through different eyes. And every time you do that, every time you're able to see through God's eyes, see through the eyes of Jesus and forgive people and love people, you're going to have a white Christmas. Jesus modeled that truth for us as he hung on the cross bleeding for you and me. Now, It's inevitable anytime we start talking about forgiveness there are protests you know uh, people want to tell their story and they want you to know why they can't or won't in many cases forgive someone it's also inevitable that they'll start talking about forgiveness that that you know someone they'll say you know either silently they'll complain or sometimes pretty out loud they'll complain and they'll say I can't forgive myself you know my problems not with somebody else my problem is all the stuff I've done. And not only can I not forgive myself, I'm not real sure, I don't think God can forgive me either. I can't tell you how many times I've been talking to somebody in a counseling kind of deal, and, and I've heard that. And it's just amazing to me the lengths that God went to to take our sin away, and still people can't receive it. So the question is, how do you get past your past. And one of the first thoughts that comes to mind when you think about someone unable to forgive themselves is, you have ghosts. You have a ghost of Christmas past. You know, you got something that visits you, that haunts you with, and the key word here is a distortion of the truth. They're lying to you. It's like you're haunted by the ghost of Christmas past, and I'm telling you, That it will probably tell you things that you don't need to believe, but it's going to remind you over and over again that this is who you are and this is what you did and this is why God can't love you. And there's no such thing as ghosts. Ghosts do not exist, but we convince ourselves that they do. Now, just by show of hands, I was actually very surprised in the first service how many people raised their hand for this. How many of you, when you were little, had trouble going to sleep because there was something in your closet? Let me see. Congratulations, you're braver than the first service. Bunch of weenies in that group right there, because they, they're, they're hands all over the place. You know, you, 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 went, you laid down, and you were convinced there was a monkey in your closet, right? There's a monkey in there. I know there's a monkey in there. And you'd call your mom in, and you'd need a drink of water, and you had to go to the bathroom, and you'd check in the closet. No monkey in the closet. You lay back down, convinced there's a monkey in the closet, but there was no monkey, Right? that's kind of how we are and that's kind of what goes on with this another word for ghosts is the word wraith wraith w-a-w-r-a-i-t-h and and that's where we get the word wreath. it's also where we get the word wrath that's for another day we'll talk about that but wraith and wreath are connected and, and you think how can ghosts be connected to something that i hang on my door at christmas time well here it is both require twisting both require a twisting the word wreath means a twisted greenery and you know you make that in a circle and you hang it on your door ghosts do that ghosts twist your thinking and i would say to you that if you can't get past your past that the ghost has twisted things in your mind and he's twisted your thinking so my job today is to try to untwist some of what's been twisted up in your mind so let's talk about some things that uh, maybe we have attempted to do as it relates to our past because we all have things that we you know we wish we could go back and change or we wish we could do differently, or we wish we you know just stuff, and so the ghost of Christmas past, how do we deal with the ghost of christ ghost of Christmas past some of us we we try to bury it, we can bury it, we sweep it under the rug, or we 'll say you know let 's put some time between what i 've done and now, so somewhere along the way, time's going to heal it well time really doesn't heal things the holy spirit heals things i've in counseling sessions you know i've said before time time will heal this well the the truth of the matter it's not time that heals it holy spirit heals it and you'll discover that if you just bury it and try to sweep it under the rug if you try to keep the skeleton in the closet it's going to haunt you again and again and again it just keeps resurfacing it keeps coming up it doesn't go away You can bury it, but you haven't really healed from it. Proverbs says, Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Now, men do this a lot. I I don't want to talk about it. I just want to leave it, you know, just leave it alone and bury it and hope it goes away. That's how men deal with things, right, guys? That's what we do. We just don't want to talk about it. But no, it says, Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper um here's what i would say to you i think we all really wish that we had in our life and if you've got this in your life you're a blessed person but i think we all want somebody in our world that we could tell our deepest darkest secrets to and have that person look back at us and say i don't care i love you anyway right that's what we want we all want that we want to be able to confess We want to be able to get it off our chest and say, look, this is what I've done, this is who I am on the inside. And we want that person to look back and say, dude, I I still love you, I don't care. And if you've got that, you're a blessed person. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. Now, you don't have to share it with the whole world, but you need to find somebody and confess to them the stuff that's eating you up. That's the only way you're ever gonna have a white Christmas. James says this, therefore, confess your sins to each other, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You're never going to find healing by burying it. You're not going to get any better by just trying to sweep it under the rug and act like it's not there. I Read that, that passage to you again. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And then Proverbs says, the one who confesses and renounces them, finds mercy. That's what we want. And there are a bunch of people who are haunted by their past, and they have never let the Holy Spirit heal them. You need to find a place where you can let the Holy Spirit begin to work on your life and on your heart. Second thing people try to do, and I hate to see people do this, and I see this all the time, we can beat ourselves up. We're hard on ourselves. You know, some, we do something or we mess something up. Man, what a fool I am. What a jerk. Why did I do that? I've ruined it. I've ruined it. It'll never be the same. I, it can never be undone. And it has amazed me what people are willing to take the blame for. I'll I talk to people about stuff, and they'll tell me the story, and they'll blame themselves. And I'm, for the life of me, listening to the story, trying to figure out where they should take blame for anything. But boy, they blame blame it all on them. But but for most of us, there are times when we've done something, you know, you say, well, no, I do deserve the blame. And, And we start to beat ourselves up, and we start calling ourselves names, and we start talking about why God wouldn't want to love us, and why we're distant from God. King David did that. King David is famous for his writings in the Psalms, and David, I don't know if you know this, but David had a past. He had a pretty serious past. He committed adultery. He had the the husband of the woman that he'd been with, he had her husband sent to the front lines and had the armies retreat from him, basically to leave him out there unexposed so that he would be killed. I mean, it's really murder is what it was. Um, And he did all this to cover his own sin. I mean, that's, you know, you would, if you're describing that, you'd say, well, that's that's a pretty bad guy. Murder, adultery combined, and he beat himself up. Listen to what he says in the Psalms. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Some of you know exactly what that feels like. You, you say to yourself, man, I can't take this anymore. I can't, this is, this is killing me. This is eating me up inside. Verse eight, I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. And here's the third one. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this, but a lot of the time we blame others, right? It's somebody else's fault. It ain't my fault. It's somebody else's fault. Now, you've got to be kind of long in the tooth to know about this next illustration that I'm going to use. But how many of you remember good old Flip Wilson on television? You remember Flip on television? What was his famous line? The devil made me do it. It ain't my fault. The devil made me do it. If you're like 25, you're looking at me like, what in the world is he talking about? Go to YouTube. Google Flip Wilson, devil made me do it. He'll come up. That's been going on since Genesis 3, y'all. Yeah, God, there's a reason why I ate the apple. Do you want to know what the reason is why I ate that apple? It's that woman you gave me. It's that woman. It's that woman's fault. And then so you go to the woman, why did you eat the apple? It's that serpent that you put in the garden. You hadn't put a serpent in the garden, I wouldn't eat the apple. You know what? Blaming other people has not helped you a bit. Blaming other people doesn't make the problem go away. That's not the answer. So what is the answer? Well, before I give it to you, let me just warn you, it's going to sound canned. It's going to sound Christianese. It's going to sound like a phrase that a preacher would use in a sermon on forgiveness. And it's going to sound like something that I can just throw out there like it's so easy to say but it's really hard to do. If you're going to get past your past and your brain is twisted you need a different set of beliefs you got to change the way you're believing in other words we can believe god we need to believe god god sees your life completely different than you do he sees your past completely different than you do he sees it differently and you don't believe it and you're sitting in church and you're singing the songs You know, but it's kind of like the snow globe, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, I really wish I was in there, I wish I could have that, but I can't really have that, it's pretty, I can imagine it, but it doesn't really happen. See your thinking's twisted, and you got the ghost of Christmas past coming and he's telling you all this stuff, and we've got to get untwisted, so that you can believe what God says about you is true, that's what we're trying to get to this morning. So let me start with a belief that God says about you and about your past. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, and this describes, if you're a Christian in the room this morning, this describes you. If you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, I'm not a Christian, then this doesn't apply to you. But here's the great news. This can apply to you, and I'm going to give you a chance to do it at the end of the service. You can become a Christian. This can apply to you. Listen to this verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that's those of us who believe in Jesus, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. It's gone. That old stuff, that old sin, it's gone. You just don't believe it's gone. And the problem is your belief. You just don't believe that it's gone. So my job today is to get you believing differently, and I have to get you to see it in a new reality, you're you're new you're, you're the old parts of you are, are gone away and it's all brand new i think my favorite thing about the bible i i know it is my favorite thing about the bible when you start looking at in the bible at the people that god uses just start looking at the people that god uses the characters in the bible all of them had a past all of them and god picked people with a past To help people with a past he's still doing that today and he didn't just pick any people i mean he picked people that were messed up you know if you started to let them tell their story you would go oh that's bad you know these are messed up people more than half of your new testament is written by a guy who was not just a small-time murderer this guy was a big-time murderer he was he was a serial killer is what he was And not just a random, you know, I'm just going to be mean to so-and-so. No, he did it to really good people. He found new Christians, and he tried to kill them. That's what his job was. Paul oversaw the execution of all the new Christians in the early church. He was a murderer. He was a blasphemer. And God was looking for somebody that the Holy Spirit could use to author much of the New Testament, and he picks a guy with a past so that he could help people with a past. And here's what the guy with the past says to you and me. And in it lies a little secret that I want to try to extract. In 1 Timothy, he says, Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And he says, that's what happened to me Now, so let me try to help you. And then this is what he says. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. In other words, it won't become a full reality in your life until you give this full acceptance. You got to buy into this. You have to believe this. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then he adds, of whom I am the worst. To which we would say, no, Paul, I'm the worst. You, you're, you don't know what I've done. I'm the worst. We, you know, I think we all get to the place where we kind of say that. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst, to rescue, to deliver, to make a white Christmas for people with a past, for sinners. And he says, and before you think it's not possible, I was the worst, so it's possible. So I need to get you to believe a new reality. I need to untwist your thinking this morning to get rid of the, Christmas, the ghost of Christmas past. So how do we do that? What are the things that we need to kind of focus on? The first one is something that a lot of us are doing, and we don't even know we're doing it. You may be doing this and not even realize it. I would just tell you to stop trying to earn forgiveness. Stop trying to earn forgiveness. I'm in my 23rd year as a staff member at this church, and in the whole time I've been here, Um, I was the youth pastor up until 2000 and in 2000 I started preaching so I'm in my 14th year as a preacher and from the time I got here until right now the only message I've ever preached is you are saved by grace you are saved by grace you didn't do anything to get saved you can't do anything to get unsaved God did it for you it's God's riches at our expense you know it's all that stuff You're saved by grace. I've I've never wavered from that message. That's all I've ever preached. Jesus died for your sins. He took all of that on himself so that you would not have to bear the penalty of your sin. You wouldn't have to bear the punishment. You wouldn't have the burden of your sin. And there are still people thinking that God is like a naughty and nice list kind of God. And he's kind of like God Santa Claus, right? That he keeps a list and In fact, if we could rewrite the old Christmas song, we would, and it would sound like this. Well, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. You are gonna go to hell. That's how we would write the song. Because he's making a list. Checking it twice. And I don't have any more fun stuff to add on to the end of it. That's all I got. But So here's how it played out today for you in church. Maybe while you've been here. And there's that song that the band was doing. And by the way, is our band does our band not rock your socks off? You know, the band is just wailing and 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 something that you really like that you're hearing and you're just getting all caught up in it and right when you're just ready to burst forth with all this praise and worship and god's just going crazy in your heart and your spirit and goes to christmas past oh, you better watch out who are you and what do you think you're doing you know you're not like the rest of these people and you know that you can't sing these songs you know better than that you're not any good look at what you did this week you can't do that and then we still we hear that oh yeah i'm on the naughty list i can't worship i can't love god god does not want to hear from me and i certainly can't expect god to love me i heard a a dad tell this story on his youngest son He, he he came up to me and said, Dad, I, <clears throat> I know there's not a naughty or a nice list, but am I nice? <laughs> he's like, he, just to make sure. He wanted to make sure. He, didn't, he hoped it wasn't tied to some kind of list, he, but he kind of thought maybe his behavior had something to do with it. We, You know, we double-checking things. It's amazing to me the number of people who still think God is weighing everything out, that, that God has the scales and everything is on a scale and he's balancing it all out. Can I just tell you? the scale got put away when the cross came out. We don't worry about that anymore. Here's the the bigger implication. The bigger implication is if you think you have to earn God's forgiveness, you will make other people earn your forgiveness. That's wrong. And you'll hear people sometimes, and they'll say, well, I forgive them, but I'm never going to talk to them again. No, if you forgive them, there is no but. If you ever start putting yourself in a position where you feel like you've got to earn God's forgiveness, you're going to make everybody else in your world that you need to forgive, you're going to make them earn your forgiveness. And a lot of the reason why a lot of us are having trouble with forgiveness isn't because of the incident, it's because you've never received God's total free gift of forgiveness for you. It's free. And it's true, at the root of all unforgiveness is unbelief. You have forgotten that God rescued you. And a lot of us, a lot of us just flat out don't understand the gospel. Now, I don't know what you've been doing for the last 20 minutes. If you've been sleeping, I hope it was good because I don't want to be responsible for bad sleep. So if you've been sleeping, great, but wake up, because I'm about to say something that you need to hear. This is the most important thing I could ever say from this stage. I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to misunderstand, okay? Lock in with me. Just give me two minutes. Jesus came. This is the gospel. Jesus came to save sinners, and I'll say it this way, all of your sin, all of of your sin has been paid for all of it every sin you've committed every sin you commit today and i guarantee you i'm about to make a statement somebody in the room is going to think to themselves that cannot be true it's true every sin you've ever committed every sin you will commit today every sin you will ever commit in your life if you're a christian is forgiven As weak sauce, is what that is. That is weak sauce. Give me a solid amen. amen. There you go. Now, if you're not a Christian, you can't say that. If you're not a Christian, you haven't been forgiven. That's what we're talking about. You can be forgiven. It's easy for you to be forgiven. It wasn't easy for Jesus to give it to you. He went to a cross to give it to you. But you can be forgiven today, and I'm going to give you the chance at the end of the service. But this is the good news. If you're a Christian... Every sin you've ever committed, every sin you commit today, and every sin you ever will commit is forgiven. Now, the minute I say that, somebody in the crowd with a religious mind is thinking to themselves, Brett, you can't tell them that. If you tell them that, they're going to go do bad stuff. See, for me to say anything other than that is to try to take religion and use it to control you. And I am not trying to control you. You know why people don't want to come to churches? Because they think church is trying to control them. Think back on the sermons I've preached and the way I teach you. Do I ever sound like I'm trying to control you? I'm not trying to control you. I'm trying to teach you how to get through life with the least amount of headwind. And I know at some point, just like I do, we're all going to drive our car off the ditch. My job is to get you back on the road and say, no, go that way. that that way's paved that way works good if you'll stay on that you won't have any more trouble i'm just simply trying to show you how to get through life the easiest way it's god's way i'm not trying to control anybody but see we don't a lot of churches and preachers don't want to teach that because if i tell them that they're forgiven they may go out and do something bad and i got to control these people look i'd like be like herding cats trying to control you people can't do that He has paid for the sins of the whole world. All sin, even non-Christians, all sin. God's wrath has been satisfied. He was angry about sin. Trust me, trust me. So angry about sin, he did something about it. You know what he did? He let his own son die. That's what he did. And he dealt with all sin through Jesus on the cross. I'm telling you, that's the gospel. That's great news. And if we could ever figure out a way to creatively tell the world that story, Our churches would be full, but you know what our churches, you know what people think? I got to be like everybody else. I got to come sit in a row and dress like everybody and look like everybody and sound like everybody and sing the same songs and vote the same way and use the same Christian words and I don't want to do all that. Well, you know what? I don't either. Good for us. That's not what this is about. God's wrath has been satisfied. If it weren't, every time someone got saved, Jesus would have to die again on the cross. All of it has already been paid for. So people will not, people don't go to hell because of their sin. You need to understand that. People don't go to hell because of their sin. They go to hell because of their unbelief. Because they believe they're not forgiven. There is no scripture that says, stop sinning and you will be saved. There's no scripture that says that. You know what it says? Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what it says. But what happens is you don't believe that. You've forgotten that your sins have been paid for. Let me help you. Let me remind you. Listen to this. This is one of the most gorgeous passages in the Bible. Ephesians 2, 8. It is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and that is not from yourself, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You can't earn it. You can only receive it. You don't need forgiveness. You, you, that's already offered. You can't be forgiven. You've already been forgiven. That's why Jesus comes along in Matthew and says this, freely you have received, freely give. If you don't give it, forgiveness it's quite possible you never really had it and so maybe what we should focus on instead of forgiving people is freely receiving because when you freely receive you will freely give so stop trying to earn forgiveness receive his unconditional love i don't know if you're a note taker if you've got a pen in your hand or your bible's open or whatever you might want to just jot down micah 7 18 so I'm about to put it on the board. I'm about to read it to you. This verse is going to liberate you, okay? Micah 7, 18. This is gorgeous. Who is a God like you? The answer is nobody. That's what's when implied there. Nobody like him. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? Now listen to this. You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy how cool is that do you know what that means that means the best part of god's day is when he lets you off the hook that's the best part of his day he loves it he enjoys it he likes to see you get off the hook and if i could get you to believe that it would change your whole life forever truth number two if you're you're ever going to change your belief system and if you're going to be forgiven you got to stop trying to forgive yourself i got some bad news for you all ghosts come back to haunt you know the ghost always comes back to haunt if i could if i if like if i could get you to believe today that the ghost was you know was gone i guarantee you he'd come back tomorrow and he'd whisper that same stuff you're not good enough you're not forgiven god doesn't love you you're a bad person And that's why, number two, you must defeat every lie with the truth. You got to defeat every lie with the truth of the gospel, with the truth of the word of God. People say, Brett, help me forget it. I can't forget it. And, and this might be terrible news, but if you can get this, this is going to set you free this morning. You're not ever going to forget it. That thing you did, that thing you want to forget, that thing you did in college you don't want anybody to know about, <laughs> or numerous things you did. And you're like, oh, I wish I could forget that. Probably not going to forget it. You're trying to achieve the wrong thing. When the enemy comes and reminds you of all that junk, all that pain, all those wounds, all the trouble, all the abuses, all the choices, all of it, in that moment, you had better be armed with the word of God because your enemy is a liar. He is a liar. And he does it nonstop. It's in his job description. John 8, Jesus says... He is the father of all liars. You come to Revelation 12 and he says that, it says that he stands before God, accusing us day and night. So it sounds like this. Don't give me all that forgiveness and cross and all that stuff. This is what they did this week, Jesus. This is what they did. And Jesus, they're not loving you. They didn't love you this week. You better look, Jesus. You better pay attention to your people because they're not loving you. And he's accusing you. And of course, Jesus isn't listening to that. So the devil gets tired of whispering at Jesus because Jesus isn't buying it, so he comes to us and he starts to whisper in our ear. And unlike the Lord, we listen to it. And then we're right back where we started again because the enemy tells us things and he tells us nonstop. You're not good enough. You can't go to church. You don't belong there. Those aren't your kind of people. You look at the life you've lived this week. God could never love somebody like you. And I'm telling you, you better be armed with one thing if you want to defeat the enemy, and that is the Word of God. Read it every day, and when the devil comes and starts accusing you, you whip out the Word of God, and you go to 1 Corinthians 1.30. Listen to this. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure. You say, I'm not pure. Yes, you are. And holy. And freed us from sin. You say, you know, I know I was wrong, but With God, I I can say that he makes me pure and he makes me righteous. If you're new to church and that word, you don't know what it means, righteous. Right standing with God. That's what it means. He makes you have a right standing with God. Another word we use a lot is the word justified. He justifies me and you hear that and you go, man, I don't know what that means. Let me break it down for you. It's real easy. When he justifies you, it's just as if I'd never sinned that's what that bible's telling you and you just have to say it listen the lord's made it just as if i'd never sinned devil you're lying to me now i need to correct something that i said a couple of weeks ago you know i learned right along with you and for the longest time i believed um i believed that god forgot our sin because i even said that a couple of weeks ago i said you know god forgets our sin fact of the matter is that's really not true we, we say you know i want to be like god and forget my sin well here's the Here's the thing, the Bible never says that God forgives our sin, or forgets our sin. What the Bible says in Hebrews, this is what the Bible says, God remembers our sin no more. In other words, the word remember there means he refuses to bring it back up. He doesn't bring it back up anymore. If God forgot it, God would not be omniscient. God is omniscient, he knows all things, he can't forget things. So what God chooses to do is he says, you know, I'm just, I'm not going to bring it up anymore. So what he does, every time the enemy accuses, he just remembers it no more. And so if you want to be like God, you need to take a, a page out of his book. You need to make the choice to remember it no more. And the only way to do that that I know of is to be armed with the word of God. Now let me say something to the ladies in the room. Ladies. Y'all have amazing memories, okay? I'm talking world-class athlete memory. A husband can be in a discussion with his wife, and it's a big one, right? It's like one of the big ones. And she will say, well, you said, and he'll say, I didn't say that. Yes, you did. No, I'm telling you, I didn't say that. And she'll say, yes, you did, August 8th, 1994. It was 10.30 in the morning, and you said... And we're just floored. Oh, my goodness. Come on, man, help me out. We need a rule, right? We need a rule seven days. Ladies, you got to use current stuff, right? (laughs) You got to use current stuff. Drag us back to 1994 and hold us to something we said in 1994. It's an amazing gift, and we love you for it because you remember the presence. You know how to get, you know, you remember you remember that the dog needs shots you remember that our kids need to be fed you remember all that stuff we don't always remember but you do and it makes you amazing ladies you're you're amazing but can i just a word from your pastor here for a minute just get over it move on let it go (laughs) so you got to stop trying to earn forgiveness you are already forgiven stop it i'm okay i'm going to teach you something And you're going to be tempted to argue with me, but you need to hear this. What would you say if I told you I don't ever ask God to forgive me? That sounds weird, doesn't it? I'm the only guy that I've ever heard talk this way, so I could be completely washed up, but I I believe the Bible backs this up. I told you a few minutes ago that Jesus died for every sin you've ever committed, and he's died for every sin that you're ever going to commit. That when Jesus died on the cross, he died one time for your sin right so that means that i am forgiven forever for things that i haven't even done yet now you could say well that's a dangerous thing to say to people yeah it is if you're going to be immature and just go do whatever you want and say well just i'm forgiven i mean that's like looking at jesus hanging on the cross and saying i don't care how much it hurts i'm going to do what i want to do you would never do that but i don't ask god to forgive me hear me i am already forgiven so you say, well, Brett, how, I mean, you sin, right? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So, Brett, how do you deal with God? How do you pray? What do you, how do you confess sin? What does it sound like? Here's a typical prayer for me. God, you saw me this morning. You saw what I did when that guy pulled out in front of me and honked his horn and waved his fist. And you know how I wanted to slam it up into drive and chase him down and rip his arm off and beat him to death with it. You know you, you saw me make fists, and you know what kind of gang signs I was wanting to flash as he drove by. You know what's in my heart. God, it's in my heart. This is who I am. I'm trying to change it, and it's hard. The only way it's ever going to change is I need your help to change it. But here's what I know, God. I know this. I know, I know it was sin what I did this morning. I know it was sin what I felt, and I know that I'm forgiven. Thank you that I'm forgiven. Praise God that I'm forgiven. And when you live your life from a position of being forgiven, all the pressure goes off of you. Christians are loaded up with pressure. If you just live like a forgiven person, it changes everything. I'm preaching really good right now. I just want you to know I'm <laughs> preaching really good right now. Okay, number two, you better be armed because the, the ghost is going to come back right? The ghost is going to come back. It'll happen at the end of the day. It'll come back tomorrow. It's going to keep happening. What you need to do is you need to be armed with the Bible and you need to read it in first person. Let me show you what I mean. Here's that first Corinthians verse. I'm going to read it in first person. Christ made me, Brett Wilson, right with God. He made Brett pure and holy and he freed Brett from sin. You quote that enough to the ghost and the ghost will go somewhere else. Here's the third one. If you're haunted by the ghost of Christmas past and you really can't get over it, you say, Brett, you just don't know how bad it was. You just don't know what I've done. You don't know. I'm telling you, something that will heal you if you'll use it, let God use the situation. In other words, allow God to turn it around for good. God doesn't create the bad stuff, but when the bad stuff happens, he has this unique ability to turn around and use it for good. I I can't even tell you how many times I've taken mistakes and just flat-out sin or darkness or times in my life that have just been awful, the parts of life where I haven't smiled, you know, and I'm like, God, how in the world could you use this? And I'll run across somebody in a different situation, and I'll be able to share what I've learned through my pain. Have you lost someone close to you? Use it to help someone who's lost someone close to them. Have you been through a horrible childhood? Use it to help someone who's been through a horrible childhood. Have you been jacked up in alcohol or drugs or something, and you're like, man, how, do, how could God ever use that? Find somebody that's jacked up on that stuff and help them. Here's Paul. Murdered Christians, God's now trying to use him of all things to plant churches. This murderer, God's going to try to use him to plant churches. And you know, he had to be haunted by his past because he kept saying things like this. I've got to forget the things that are behind and I've got to press on. They keep coming up. I can't forget them. There's no doubt. There's no doubt Paul is dealing with his sin life. He's struggling with it. He keeps quoting stuff. Read Romans 7. He's struggling with it. Then you come to Romans 8. Listen how beautiful. There is no condemnation. If you're a Christian in the room this morning, this verse applies to you. If you're not a Christian, it can apply to you, but you've got to come to Christ. There is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. I better remind myself of that. Romans 8 comes along, and we know that in all things, God works for the good to those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I want to wrap everything up, this whole series, talking about Joseph. Joseph gets sold into slavery by his brothers. They think they've sold him, they think they'll never see him again. He's off to Potiphar's house and in Potiphar's house he gets lied to and lied about. And all the stuff that we talked about last week, he was betrayed, he he was falsely accused, he's rejected, he's abused, he's humiliated, he's completely messed up. He ends up rescuing Egypt. He has a dream, and in the dream, the dream tells him to gather food because there's going to be a famine. Sure enough, there's a famine, everybody needs food and they're all coming to Egypt to buy grain. His brothers, who sold him into slavery, come to Egypt to get their grain. The brother they think is long gone. And they discover that their brother is now in charge in Egypt, and they go, he is going to kill us. And in Genesis 50, this is what we read. You, and we would put in there the devil, intended to harm me but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives you thought you were going to kill me guess what it led to the salvation of not only you but a salvation of many many people you got to get past your past and to do that you have to believe what God says about you you are clean i don't care what you did if you're in Christ you're a new creature and you've got a clean slate white christmas you have been forgiven You don't need forgiveness. You need to receive forgiveness. If I could summarize this whole series, I would use one guy. I would use one verse. There's a guy in the Bible named Abraham. And if you don't know much about Abraham, he believed God. But a lot of Abraham's life was messed up. He was not a good guy sometimes. But the Bible says he believed God. In Romans it says this. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. A right standing with God you don't need forgiveness you need faith you need to believe what happened on the cross happened for you and you need to believe that you are forgiven if you're in Christ you are forgiven and and if you've been forgiven you need to be forgiving and if you've listened to this sermon and you thought man this isn't what I've always heard when I went to church I'm telling you you can be clean white christmas for you and you can look at your life and say man i want to live a forgiven life okay then come on yeah but i'm not good enough has nothing to do with how good you are has nothing to do with how good you are has everything to do with how good jesus is has everything to do with him dying on the cross to save you and you have been forgiven the question is are you going to receive the best christmas present you've ever been given and that is forgiveness choice is yours you can walk out of here today and live an unforgiven life. My question to you is, why in the world would you ever do that? So if that's something you want to talk about, track me down, track down a Christian, tell him you want to talk about it, tell him you want to be forgiven. We'd love to do that with you. Let's pray together. God, we want a white Christmas. We want to thank you for giving it to us through Jesus. We are forgiven. Help us to live like we're forgiven. Help us to be grateful people. And Father, part of that is that because we've been forgiven, we now forgive other people. And Lord, for the person in the room that thinks that being a Christian is about saying all the right words or you know, dressing up or whatever, help them to see that it's not about any of that stuff, that it's simply about receiving a gift of forgiveness, a gift that you went to great lengths to give us. You were so mad at sin, you sent Jesus to die on a cross. That's pretty serious. But praise God, hallelujah, we are saved. And God, when we extend forgiveness, may we do it with all grace. And if we should be so fortunate that someone would forgive us, would we receive it with grace? Would we be Jesus? Father, I pray for everyone in the room this morning as we travel all over the place coming up this week. It's going to be a good week. And for some, it's going to be really lonely and it's going to be hard. Father, my prayer is that you would be what every single person in this room needs you to be, and I know you will. So more than asking you, I'm thanking you in advance for being the great God you are. We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray.